I wonder, have you ever experienced a eureka moment? You know the kind of thing, you, you settle down in front of the television to watch Midsummer Murders and eureka, it's one you haven't seen before. Or it's nil-nil in the last minute of the cup final and eureka, Tottenham score the winner. Well, you can't blame a chap for dreaming, can you? Or perhaps you're sat in a bath of water, an apple falls on your head, and Eureka, you've invented gravity. <laughs> However they come, chances are, and I hope, that each and every one of us has had those uh, Eureka moments in life. They come in all different shapes and sizes. Some are big and really important, Others perhaps rather trivial or meaningless. Now in our reading today from John's Gospel, chapter 21, the disciple who Jesus loved has a eureka moment. But in order to fully understand that, in order to fully understand what happened or occurred, we first of all need to unpack it. We need to put it into some perspective or context. After three years of uprooting, disturbing and challenging life and eventual tragedy, their friend Jesus was dead. Though rumour had it now that perhaps he wasn't. And now the disciples were back in the routine of life. Back to their old fishing ways, back to their old business, back to normality, if that was possible. They'd gone back into their comfort zone, doing that which they knew most. And who can blame them? After all that had happened. But now... They're frustrated. They caught nothing. And a stranger appears on the shore, and they don't know who it is, but he shouts out, throw the net on the other side. And when they do that, wow, the net's full. It's amazing. More fish than they can possibly see or count. And then it happens. John has his eureka moment, which truly and surely outpasses any other. This isn't a stranger. This is Jesus. This is their Lord. The rumours are true. He's come back. Resurrection isn't a myth. It's a reality. Oh, what a day. What a morning! The boats are secured and they have breakfast together. And then, as Joe read for us, Jesus has a, a deep and meaningful with Peter. A conversation that ended with just two words, two very special words. Words that have echoed across the lake and bounced back from the encircling hills. Two words Follow me. And the power of those two words mean that for the disciples and for us, life can never be the same again. 
for those words echo down to us today. They're words that have transformed countless lives. Words that have challenged the entire world. Words that are changing and testing us. Words that challenge us as a church as we look forward to the future and come to terms with a post-COVID pandemic new existence, whatever that is and however it comes. But what do they mean? What does follow me mean for us today in the 21st century? Well, the clue is in the gospel story itself. It's no accident that many of the first followers of Jesus were fishermen who were now called to go out and catch people rather than fish. They were commissioned to take the glorious good news of a risen Jesus Christ to the entire world. And Jesus says to Peter and to us, follow me. And part of that following involves going out and fishing or witnessing, sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the joy of belonging to him. Oh, not to ensnare others or trap them, but to free them into the joyous life of the kingdom of God, expressing God's love and giving others the opportunity to enter into a loving relationship with a living God who, through the cross and the glory of resurrection, grants forgiveness and salvation. You know, this moving encounter between Jesus and Peter is often seen as a response to the time when Peter denied his Lord three times in the courtyard on the night Jesus was arrested. And on that occasion, Peter denied knowing his master three times. And here, three times, Peter declares his love for his risen Lord. And three times, Jesus gives him instructions. The response to loving his Lord is that Peter must feed and tend and care for the lambs of the Lord. So feeding and tending the Lord's people is part of following. You know, people are hungry these days. They're hungry for understanding, help in grasping the purpose of life, help in understanding their destiny. It's called spirituality. People need spiritual feeding. And part of following Christ in discipleship is to offer a rich spiritual food to hungry people. But not only the call to feed, but also the call to tend. If I was to ask you what you think of our church, I wonder what answer you would give. And by the way, don't panic. 
Oh, we're a very caring, loving group of people in our church. All church members say that. All congregations proclaim the same. Yet in reality, church can be a very lonely place where visitors sometimes feel anything but welcome. And though we may think we care and we tend, it's not always quite how people see or perceive us. There is a need outside the church for friendship and for care. And we as true disciples have to find ways of discovering people's needs and ways of meeting those needs in Christ's name. For part of following, part of follow me, is to fulfill that need. Fish, tend, feed. These are all part of our response to our risen Lord as it was for Peter, so it is for us. Will it be easy? Not at all. You know, Jesus goes on to tell Peter that all this would happen and would lead to a cross for him. And as we know, Peter was eventually crucified for his faith in Rome. But any kind of Christian work and ministry must involve sacrifice. It's not a call to ease and comfort, but a call to endeavour. As Jesus said, in both Matthew and Mark's gospel, anyone who wants to be a follower of mine must take up his cross and follow me. Oh, but my friends, there's no fruit without toil. There's no victory without struggle. There's no success without sacrifice. There cannot be resurrection without a cross. Oh, but you may ask, well, that's all well and good, but it sounds like hard work, and where will I find the strength and the energy for all of that? Well, when Jesus met with his friends before his death, and now here in his risen power by the lakeside, he fed them. It's a wonderful, wonderful statement from Jesus. Come on, guys. Come and have some breakfast. Oh, don't you like that? And we read that he took some bread and he took some fish and there was already fish on the fire and he shared it with them. And Jesus is always ready to feed. He's always ready to lead, to guide, to strengthen, to enable, to feed and to empower and through a regular prayer life and a regular worship diet, we can and we will all be fed and strengthened for service in discipleship. Here then is the invitation. Come and feast. Come and follow me. Oh, a eureka moment indeed. Last week, we celebrated that which is central to our faith. On Easter day, Christ is risen, we proclaimed. 
Hallelujah, we cried aloud. But that was a week ago. And as they say, well, a lot of water, water has flown under the bridge since then. By now, the flowers are tired. The chocolate eggs have been eaten. The holidays are over. And now we're back to normal. Back to routine. And I hope back to the joy and the privilege of witnessing to the never-ending love of God. But let's make it very clear. If our Easter celebrations had been true, if our Easter experience had been true, nothing can ever be the same again. For Jesus Christ is risen. We worship a living Lord who walks with us constantly on life's journey through the ups and through the downs of life. And I pray that the eureka moment of Easter Day will remain with us all every moment of every day. For Christ is risen indeed. And he calls us, his disciples, to follow him, to serve him, to be the people and to be the church that he would have us be. The call to us as disciples is, follow me. The question, and indeed the challenge is, how will we, how will you respond to that call? Thanks be to God. Amen.